Good morning. Today's scripture verse comes from my favorite sermon in the Bible, the Sermon on the Mount. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. When my kiddos were little, I remember them coming back from a Sunday school lesson or a vacation Bible school class with these cute little boxes that they had decorated. They were just these little rectangular boxes, but they had a lid that was on a hinge. And so after having been artfully covered with crayon marks and sequins and stick-on jewels, they had become treasure boxes. The scripture that they had been studying in their lesson was this one. Do not store up treasures on earth. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so what do you think the first thing they did when they brought their little treasure boxes home was? They started storing up treasures in them, of course. You know, my kids, and maybe you have some that did the same, they loved little tiny things. Toys from the quarter machine at the movie theater were like a hot ticket item, so those would go in the box. Little Lego people with stuff they even were holding, like tiny little things would go in the box. Round glass pebbles, a broken Mardi Gras necklace, rocks from other people's front yards. Those were also very special. You know, all of these things that were precious treasure went into the box And that cute little lid would close right down on top. We are today three quarters through our stewardship campaign and our stewardship sermon series. A big thank you to all of you who have turned in your pledge cards so far. We still have a little ways to go, kind of a long ways to go, um, but we're doing really good. So I'm so grateful for all of you who are taking this process very seriously, thinking about what you might give in the next year with intention and with prayer. And I understand that this is no small ask. In a time when many of us are facing uncertain financial futures, we know that projecting giving can be a challenge. So thank you for participating in this process. And I understand so deeply the struggle that it can be to think about giving when you don't feel like you have much to give. I know I've shared this story before, but I thought it bears repeating. 
Years ago, early in our marriage, um, Jimbo and I had an acquaintance who was a financial planner. And so he offered to come over to our home and give us some, some free financial planning advice. Great. We had just bought our first home. We had four children. I was driving four to five days out of the week um, from Loveland to Denver to complete my master's degree with very little financial aid. And we were barely scraping by. And as the financial planner kind of looked at all of our expenses and our income and kind of laid everything out, out, he looked at us and said, there's really not much you can cut. (laughs) We already had the big kids narrowed down to just one activity a season. So you could do soccer or football, but not both. Our food bills were reasonable for a family of six people. Graduate school was insanely expensive, but it was seen as an investment for the future. So he got down to the end of his list and he said, really the only place that you can cut spending or save something, and you really should, is your giving to the church. Now, as I think back, I can't even remember what our giving to the church was at the time. It could not have been much, maybe $50 a month, $100 a month. I don't even know what it would have been. But it would have been, whatever it was, to cut that out, that would have been enough money to at least do a little bit of saving or to give towards one bill or another. And I'm sure not going to say that there were not years after this particular incident that we did have to dramatically decrease our giving to the church. And there were a couple of years that we simply didn't have anything to pledge in giving, although Jimbo would put, you know, a $5 bill or a $10 bill here and there into the offering plate on a Sunday. And those were hard, lean years. But when the financial planner sat down and talked to us, I thought, but I've grown up giving to the church. Not only as part of a family that gave, but as a child, I gave one time my whole $20 snack allowance um, to the offering at church camp. Um, Or sometimes if I had birthday money, I'd give a portion to the offering at church. It was just an ingrained behavior for me. And I don't say that with any sort of boasting because I never really thought of why I gave. It was just something that you should do. That's what I grew up believing. Every stewardship season, I consider as a pastoral leader how to approach the idea of giving. And it's not easy. In fact, it's awfully awkward to talk about money and to talk about why you should give to the church when I directly benefit from that. I mean, my salary is paid by giving to the church. There are some years I find it so awkward that I just say, nope, I'm not going to talk about giving money this year at all. But it absolutely is an important conversation for us to have. And I think it's important for us to think about why we do give to the church. 
When I think back on that time when I sat down, when Jimbo and I sat down with a financial planner that told us, you got to give up giving to the church because that's just kind of, you know, not a smart thing to do financially. I think about that being the first time that I really did consider, why do I do this? Why do I give to the church? Why does anyone? So this week I was thinking about a few reasons why people might give to the church or give charitably at all. One would be out of a sense of obligation. I think this kind of idea that you should do this thing, that's why I gave as a younger person. Giving because you should. Giving because God said so in the Bible. Giving because God encourages from the very beginnings of scripture, to give of your first fruits. And in hearing that, those of us who follow the rules and do what we're told give because we were told to. It's a requirement, and you're a person that meets requirements. It's contractual. It's an agreement that we have with God. It's something we should do. Another reason why people might give to the church could be more reciprocal. You give so that you can get. Kind of a quid pro quo. You scratch God's back, maybe God will scratch yours. Or you offer something to the church so that you can be offered something back in return. And let me be clear, I don't think that either of those reasons for giving are bad reasons. In fact, I think they're probably a reason that we enter into this idea of giving at all. But I think it's a starting place only. And I think it doesn't get at the deeper reason around or under why it is that we give and give and give hopefully our whole lives. As I think back on considering my own giving at our kitchen table with the financial planner 20 plus years ago, I don't know if I could have verbalized why not giving wasn't really an option. But I do know this. If we just give out of a sense of obligation or because we thought we were getting something in return, then we probably would have given up on this giving a long time ago. If we had the attitude that God only wants us to blindly obey, instead of being an authentic relationship, we would feel controlled and want to rebel from that. Or if we had the attitude that we give to God so that we can get something in return or give to the church so that we could get something back, well, at the first sign of dissatisfaction or things not going our way, we would be pulling our pledges. As I think back to the other memory of the little treasure box that the boys made in VBS or Sunday school. I also remember that the, the lid didn't always stay closed. Something that always surprises me about children, and my kids were no different, 
they always want a share of their treasures. So, you know, a little, a little feather or a broken piece of toy or something that they found outside becomes something precious that they want to share with you. And I remember getting little bits and bobs as a gift to me from the box, a treasure for me to hold to. So if we consider giving as being a part of something larger than ourselves, as a sharing of our precious treasure, then it's much less a sense of obligation and much more a connection with others. Giving connects us, connects our lives and our vision. Proclaiming for ourselves and for others that life is about more than just us and what we can hold in our treasure box. It's about opening the lid and letting love loose. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.